You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 278. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. We have a great show for you this week. We are very excited, very excited to be traveling next weekend for the first time, basically, since COVID has hit. Like, we're getting on an airplane. This is definitely the first time I will have been on an airplane in two full years. And we are going to visit Ryan and Aaron Gutowski from Woodboard Family. Very excited about this. No matter what their weather is like, they will have significantly less snow than we do. That's true. We're (laughs) right in the middle of the first blizzard in, I think, four years right now as we record this show. So we are very excited for that. But that kind of spawned us into thinking about travel games and portable games. And we've talked about this topic a lot, but we haven't actually done a travel game podcast in, I think you said, like five years? Six and a half years. That's a long time. Yeah, it was fall of 2015. That is a long time ago. It was episode 11. All right. Here we are, episode (laughs) 278. And as luck would have it, in my desperate attempts to find a fact for this episode of the show... You were searching and searching and searching, and then one fell into your lap. It totally did. It took the end of a legendary football career to bring you a fact for this week's episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. News has emerged that Tom Brady is planning on retiring from the game of football. For real this time. For Well, he didn't fake retire. He just left the Patriots. Sure. It was Gronkowski who fake retired. But anyway, so love him or hate him, he is retiring... He, Tom Brady is the winningest quarterback in NFL history. He's the GOAT. He has 243 regular season wins and 35 postseason wins for a combined 278 career wins. There you have it. It took a 22-year football career to bring you this fact. Who has a 22-year football career? Honestly. Tom I I mean, yes. (laughs) But anyway, that is our fact for this week's episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. We also have a special and relevant message from our sponsor, First Move Financial, this week. We spent a little bit of this blizzard starting to work on our taxes because it is officially (laughs) tax season. Yeah. This means you should be receiving your W-2s, 1099s, and other tax documents soon if you have not received them already. There are a few things that everybody should know for the 2021 tax season. First is that your 2021 taxes will be due April 18th, 2022. Next is that if you received those child tax credit checks this past year, those were actually prepayments of your child tax credit. So you'll have to account for the fact that you've already received part of your child tax credit on your taxes, which may cause you to owe money to the IRS in April. Also, if you have an Affordable Care Act health insurance policy, make sure to enter your 1095 information because the ACA credits were expanded for 2021 and for 2022, so you may be eligible for a credit even if you weren't previously. Finally, 
tax scams have been increasing in recent years. So it's very, very important to file your taxes as quickly as you can. That way someone can't file with someone in your household's information, like falsely claiming credit for your children as their dependents. First Move Financial does not prepare taxes, but they are happy to talk to you about your tax situation. Schedule a free call by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers. Do it today. And thanks so much to the team over at First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. So I mentioned we're going to talk about travel games on this podcast. We mm-hmm. also have a very special sponsored for science this week on the show. But first, we're going to talk about what else, what we've been playing. Of course. There's some stuff on this list that we've been playing a lot. Yeah, starting with 62nd City. Mm-hmm. So this is a game that is published by Buffalo Games. Yep. They're kind of a little bit more of like a mainstream board game publisher. It definitely the kind of things you find on the shelves at Target, mm-hmm. yep. which is where we found this. That's true. Asher gave it to me for my birthday. <sighs> which is so cute. Which was so it's wonderful. So adorable. Do you want to talk about it? But also that means I know how much he paid for it because we saw it on the shelves and then I was like, oh, you're looking for gifts for people. I'm going to walk the other way and meet you at the checkout. But it means that I know he paid about $10 for this game. It is well worth your $10. Yes, it is. It's a good game. So 60 Second City was designed by Ken Grohl and Quentin Weir, the same people who designed Happy Salmon and Funky Chicken, Monster Match, and Most Wanted all of which we've talked about in the past. Once I saw their names on it, I knew this was going to be fast moving. It says 60 seconds, but you know, I knew it was going to be a short, fast game. I did not expect the level of strategy packed into 60 second rounds that we got. Mm -hmm. So this is a cooperative tile laying game. Basically you have 60 seconds to create a city with pretty typical tile laying style, style rules of you have to start, by the town hall in the center and you can only put down one tile at a time and it has to touch at least one edge of some other building etc 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 at the end of your 60 seconds you and your partner look at how many of the goals that are currently laid out you manage to fulfill and these could be like make a 10 or more unit thing that has these two kinds of buildings in it or it can be match this pattern somewhere on the board exactly on top of that there's also pollution squares and new ones come out before each round and you can even add event cards which are mostly negative but a few of them are positive but they always change up how you're going to have to use your strategy in a particular round you get five rounds at the end of five rounds if you have cleared out all of the goals if you've accomplished them all you win the game if you have not cleared them all then there's a little score table of like well how well did you do really which I really like. I, I really like having those score tables in games. In fact, I think we did a snap review or something recently that didn't have a score table like that, and it actually bugged me. I like it, but I also like the clear goal of... Of, of clear all of the Get goals. all the goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this game, it's interesting because this game kind of like, maybe it's the style, like makes me think of like SimCity or something like that. Like, I, like a SimCity 2000 style. Like there's something about it, you know what I mean? Which I like. And I like that this is a game... You know, it's 60 seconds, so you're just grabbing tiles and trying to figure out where to place them, and you cannot get bogged down by analysis paralysis because it's a real-time game. Yes. Which I really, really like about this. And, you know, you know going into this that, I mean, it's not going to be five minutes. It's probably going to be like seven minutes. Eight to ten, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. but 
you know that you have a fixed number of rounds. You're going to be getting through this game fairly quickly. There's collaboration and also autonomy at the same time. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really good. Yeah, I'm really, really liking it. The quality of a few of the pieces is not as great as I would like. But it was a $10 game at Target, so I'm not <laughs> right, going to exactly. complain I mean, too much. Like, I'm going to notice it, but it's still a great game. I mean, you expect it to be a budget title right? with budget components. I mean, it, it matches the expectation. Literally, the only thing that I would have liked to see, even within these budget components, is that the event cards that I mentioned don't picture the type of tile that they talk about, whether it's commercial or industrial or power plant or whatever. And that means that more often than not, I have to go back and refer to the rule book because I don't remember what all six types are without looking at the pictures. Sure. No, that makes sense. The goal cards all do show pictures, though, which is why that stood out to me. I get it. Makes sense. The next game on the list that we have been playing a lot of is a game that was recommended to us a few weeks ago, and I decided to pick it up for you for your birthday. Another birthday present for me. Yep. <laughs> uh, this one is Royal Visit. Yeah, so this, I, we mentioned Brian and Aaron who are going to visit next weekend. Royal Visit was a game that they had picked up and they had recommended as a great game for couples. It definitely is. It really is. This is a game where you are playing as a duke or a duchess, and you have a duchy. And you are trying to convince the king, really the king, but he travels with his court, to come to your castle. And you're competing against the other duke, duke or, or duchess. duchess right. So you're pushing and pulling the king and various members of his court back and forth along the board. You know, I pull them closer to me, you pull them closer to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, I mean, if you think of something like the military token in Seven Wonders Duel, where it's constantly going back and forth, or there's a few other games, I think Fight for Olympus has this mm -hmm. kind of... Mm -hmm. God favor, a kind of a, a seesaw kind of mechanic in that. It's very similar to that. It's a card-driven game. There's the king, two guards, and then there's a wizard and a jester. And the wizard and the jester kind of have special powers, but the king always has to be between the two guards. And so you're constantly playing cards that can move the king, the court, the jester, the wizard, or the guards. And you can play any combination of cards as long as they're all for the same type of character. So, like, the guard cards are all slightly different, but you can play as many of them as you want as long as you're only playing guard cards. So your goal is to either have enough stuff on your side long enough that this little crown token moves all the way to your, to your castle, uh, castle spot. Yeah. or just any turn where you end the turn and the king is in your castle, uh, you win. Yeah. It's really interesting because there are some cards that can move the little wooden figurines pretty far. And then there's the powers of the Jester and the Wizard that can also have pretty uh, significant effects mm -hmm. pretty quickly. But it doesn't really feel like you're ever truly lost. Yes. Because you don't really know what the other person has in their hand. And so you might be able to find an edge that they can't quite push back against. And that's For something now. that's really, really cool about the game. Well, but... You know, there's so many of these games, and we, we even talked about this with, I think we talked about it with Chai, which we're going to talk about next. You can get into a situation where you constantly feel like you're one step behind throughout an entire game. Yes, right? and, and that's and, true, and you and don't, don't get that way with feel Royal that Visit. with this game, and I think that's great. But what I mean in saying something that they can't counter right now, the big thing with Royal Visit is that you can play as many cards as you want as long as they're all the same kind of card. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all guard cards, mm -hmm. or they're all jester cards, and then you refill your hand. So... If you have a handful of cards and you're like, it's not great, but 
I can play out five wizard cards and move the wizard from being all the way over on your side to somewhere on my side. Maybe that's in and of itself not super helpful, except now I have drawn almost an entire hand of new cards and I can do new things. Yeah, the first couple times we played this, you beat me, and I think a big part of my strategy that hadn't yet developed was the idea that... No, it's actually kind of worth it to spend out your cards so you can get fresh stuff that might be more effective for you. So you don't yeah, necessarily you, you don't generally want to save yeah. cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in fact, there are times when you play the game with the wizard's power, for example, where you don't get to swap out cards. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a, a downer to the wizard's ability that yep. you don't get new cards in your hand. So the game's incredibly simple. It's probably what, I don't know, 50 cards in the deck or so and five tokens and a little rollout cloth board. It's great oh, yeah. i guess six tokens it's going to be on our list for travel games yep. mm-hmm. um and that is royal visit from yellow and it wasn't expensive either it was like 20 bucks or 25 dollars. yeah as you mentioned the next game on our list is chai we are getting ready to review this yeah, uh, so expect week. to see something soon probably next week but uh we played a little bit more you and me i also tried out one of the three solo modes this game has three solo modes if you really love the game, that's worth it. Otherwise, eh. I, I've said this before. Not every game needs to have all of the different kinds of modes. Yeah. Well, and for me, I wish that they had just kind of picked one solo mode of like, hey, if you want to play this solo, this is the way to do it. Well, and maybe you'll get there once you play through all of them or once I play through all of them or whatever. You know, maybe one of them works for you and it doesn't work for you and the other i don't know you know who who knows what's going to happen with them but just in general you know kind of the way you were talking about it it felt like they put a solo mode in so that they could say they had a solo mode which not every game has to have a solo mode right well and we'll see more as as i play it a couple more times but i think i like chai best at a larger player count like it's fine at two players i think it's a three or four player game but three four or five players Mm -hmm are great. You see a lot more movement, more things are going on. It is harder to plan out what you're going to do next, but that lets you actually be a little bit more laid back that you don't have to be quite so tightly tactical in Mm -hmm. every single decision. Right. Yep. Instead, it becomes more of a just kind of keep your options open, plan some generic resource movement kind of stuff instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Chai. We pulled all the kids together and played Andor, the family fantasy game. You know, this is really weird because, like, for some reason, our kids are weird about this game. And this really feels like it should be the game that they really like to play. And they don't. And I don't know why. Well, when we finished, one of the children was saying, oh, there's more modes and more missions. Can you tell me more about them? What do they look like? And I was like, maybe you and I can play this later and not do it as a whole family. This is a problem I think we've run into a couple of times now where if we're going to do a five-player game or sometimes even a four-player game, mom or dad should know the game really well and probably one of the kids should have played it already. There's something about bringing everybody in and then trying to explain the game and then trying to get everybody going that just ends up taking forever and at least one child will just be like, why am I even here? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they came into the game with that attitude and it just didn't help. This time they came in with that attitude, but (laughs) it happens. Yeah, it's just disappointing because I don't even really think it's a reflection on the game. I just think this was some grumpy teenage grumpiness. Contrast this with something like Quacks of Quedlinburg, which arguably is a harder game. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. But by the time we got our seven-year-old to play it, everybody else in the family already knew how to play it. So the older kids didn't mind us walking through it for him, but it wasn't everybody trying to comprehend it for the first time all sure. at the same time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, we had fun with it. It's a really nice family weight game in that Andor Reed Bird universe from Cosmos. Yeah. I, we're going to have to play it a couple more times to kind of get through the story yeah, the, of it. Air the quote. five different missions. Yeah. And then yeah. I think we'll be able to put together a review on that one. I think that one, you know, we'll, we'll be prioritizing as well. Yeah. So. All right. We played a lot more Tapple. We've talked about Tapple on the show before. You will hear the snap review for Tapple during our break. It's a fun game. It's really, it, yeah. really good to just kind of have to throw on the table like after a family dinner. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've got, you know, out of town, maybe some extended family in or something like that. That's kind of what we did. It worked out really well for us. I was very, very happy with what we ended up doing. It's one of those word games that has the unexpected benefit of kind of getting a little bit of insight into the people you're playing with. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, not a ton. Not like the games where you have to, you know, argue for your choice, <laughs> but just... Sort of the, oh, like you mentioned that restaurant. I never even thought of that. Right. Or, you know, you mentioned that cartoon. I didn't even know you knew about that cartoon. Have you ever watched it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, beyond that, there's really not a lot to say about it. It's kind of this quick casual game. The yeah. industrial design is super smart that the cards fit right into the actual device. So you don't need the box anymore. It's just nice. Yeah. Yep. We did have a bit of a misfire with the next one, though. Yeah, so we started to play The Goonies, Escape with One-Eyed Willie's Rich Stuff. This is a Coded Chronicles game. We did the Coded Chronicles adventure for Scooby-Doo. A while ago. Six months, a year ago, something like that. I don't remember. More than a year ago. I don't remember. But it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. I really like the Coded Chronicles system. And we got out this Goonies one that we also had received for review. And we were kind of playing through it. And then, like, we're missing map tiles. Yeah. That was really frustrating because it took a little while for our kids to warm up to this. Our kids know nothing about the Goonies, but we were starting to really get into it. And then all of a sudden, just we can't keep playing. We don't have the tile. Yep. Super frustrating. Uh, This is a game. It's kind of got three chapters, movements, sections, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And I think we were probably getting fairly close to the end it of the first chapter. It seemed like we must have been really close I was close actually to kind of end. surprised that we yeah. hadn't already gotten to the end of the first yeah. chapter. Uh, it does hew pretty closely to the plot of the movie, or at least it seems to. Like, there's definitely right, that's what I've, separation. That's so. what I was going to say, is um, other than the missing map tile problem, once we started to get into it, it is pretty much guiding you through the plot of the movie with additional puzzles that you need to solve. Right. But... Our kids didn't need to know anything about the Goonies to start to really get into it. Like, oh, hey, this guy's a teenager and he's kind of a jerk, but also useful because he can lift heavy things. Yeah. So we're going to reach out to the op and see if we can get that replaced and then we'll keep going on that. But um, so far, I liked what I was seeing. There's some puzzles in that that are really hard. Yes. Really hard. And, uh, you know, we'll get through it. We also played more Rolled West. So much more Rolled West. So much more Rolled West. I am enjoying that so much. Mm Mm-hmm. In the middle of our blizzard today, I pulled out a couple of games that I would like to play soon, and I convinced the kids to play with me, The Little Prince, Make Me a Planet. This is a, I don't want to say very simple game, but very straightforward game designed by Bruno Cathala and Antoine Bauza, Mm -hmm. of all people. All of the artwork is from The Little Prince and the author of The Little Prince. It does a really good job if you like... The book, The Little Prince, if you've seen the Netflix movie, The Little Prince, 
your kids will immediately recognize the vast majority of the characters and drawings and things that are on the tiles and all of the various characters you meet along the way as you're putting together your planet have scoring powers that kind of feed into their personalities from the books like the businessman has a certain color of sheep on his desk and he just wants to count all of those sheep so (laughs) he wants a lot of those sheep on your planet i found it really interesting that there is absolutely no reading required once you know how to play but quite a bit of numeracy skill like our scores were in the 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. with multiplication and things like that along the way the playstyle is very straightforward but it's gonna go a little long for kids under seven or eight so how did our seven-year-old do he did fine but we also took a break halfway through the game because it was time for lunch (laughs) basically you are laying out a planet of 16 tiles there are four different tile types there's center two different kinds of edge types and characters. Characters end up being the four corners Mm -hmm. of your four by four grid. Mm -hmm. Each person you're playing with, you know, when it's their turn to be start player, they just pull out the correct number of one type of tile so that every player will get one. And then it's basically a drafting game. The start player goes, they pick who goes next. And that person picks who goes next. Whoever Mm -hmm. goes last because they didn't get a choice, they become the start player for the next round. Okay. So there's 16 rounds of this very simple tile drafting, and you're always trying to, you know, balance all of the various ways you could possibly get points and the ways that you will definitely lose points, like baobab trees. If you have too many of them, they flip tiles over, and then those tiles just become blank, and you get nothing. Overall, like, it it fit with the Little Prince theme really, really well, and it's definitely doable for non-reading children, as long as they have a decently long attention span, you you know, they can play a half hour game. It sounded like you had fun. Doing it was it. good. Um, yep. Appropriately, as the grown up in the group, I got the worst score. Good job. Well done. <laughs> Especially since it's the little prince where, you know, grown ups have no imagination and don't make any sense to the little prince. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And also Unmatched made the list. Uh, yeah. So we played a three way game of Unmatched today with Sun Wukong. Bloody Mary, and Little Red. I heard a lot of whining during this game. Yeah, well, that was because our children forget that in a three-way game, you cannot focus on one opponent. So Claire and I eliminated Asher fairly early on in the game, and then it was me with Bloody Mary, who had not yet taken any damage at all, and Little Red, who was already at about half health, and the Huntsman, who was almost dead. So... There was a lot of whining from Claire about how unfair it felt. However, she played her strategy amazingly well. She did lose the game in the end, but she made me work really hard for it. Good for her. It's also the first time I've ever played a game of Unmatched where a player ran out of cards in their deck. Yeah, I heard you talking about that. Yeah. So it leads to interesting strategy because once you run out of cards in your deck... Anytime that you would draw a card, you instead lose two health. So you really, really want to avoid having to draw a card, mm-hmm. which means like, I don't want to maneuver anymore, among other things. I will also say this let me get a much better insight into the Bloody Mary character and how she's supposed to work. Yeah, I think that I would do better with her playing with her again. Sure. That first time was kind of tough. Sure. Well, and it's starting to, you know, be like, okay, there's a lot of really heavy hitting attacks here. There's a lot of things that make your opponents hurt themselves. 
and you really, really, really want to start your turn with three cards in yeah, hand. There's a lot of three stuff. A lot repeated. of threes. And if you're playing against Bloody Mary, you really, really don't want to let them start a turn with three cards in hand because then they get an extra action. So you want to do things to make them discard cards or make them draw cards or whatever. Yeah, it's one of those rare instances when them having more cards in their hand actually is better for you. It is slightly better for you. Slightly better, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Do you want to do four science now or do you want to take a break first? Um, Let's do four science because I have a feeling I might need to wash my mouth afterwards. (laughs) So I, I made a reference that this was sponsored Helena from Kids Table Board Games on Facebook had shared a video of, I think, her son eating some of this gum. This gum is soap-flavored gum. So, like, this is not, like, a lot of the For Science stuff we do where it's just a weird flavor of something. Like, this is... This is supposed to taste bad. Not supposed to taste good. We did release a video back in maybe early December of Asher trying this, and Helena was actually pretty impressed that he was kind of fine with it. I wanted to uh, eat the rest of this gum with people at PAX Unplugged, but nobody wanted to try the gum. Plenty of people were willing to try the spicy nuts. Nobody wanted to try the gum. So I don't really know what well, that was about. That's fine. I will point out that it says the serving size is two pieces. So okay. we, should, we should each do two pieces. All right. Anitra is feeling brave tonight. Anything for science. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pop these out. So it looks... Like the brand name on this is uh, Thrills. Thrills. And what a Thrills this will be. And so, it is purple. Yeah. Uh, peanut free, however. Great. All right. So here we go. Oh. oh that's, whoa. Oh. Wow. That is soapy. Ha. Not ha. only is it soapy, there's this weird like flowery. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's not just soapy. It's like. Like the kind of soap you get in like a slightly nicer public bathroom. I feel like I'm drinking a bottle of old lady cold like <laughs> Yes, exactly. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> oh. How did Asher chew this with his mouth closed? <laughs> I have no idea. Don't choke. <laughs> I'll be okay. It's settling. Yeah, same here. I can survive. The flavor is still there, but it's already like less than half as strong. Yeah. Oh man, that first initial crunch. Oh. This is like blister pack gum, like um, like dentine. Yeah. You know, that first that, crunch. That hard coating on the outside. Ooh. Ooh. That was rough. All right. Well, I think I am going to wash my mouth out, but not with soap. Not with soap. <laughs> and, I uh, did that once when I was in middle school. Yeah. I regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> and while we're doing that, you can enjoy us talking about Tapple. When we come back, we will welcome our new community members and we will talk about our topic. All right. All right. We'll be right back. What's a restaurant that starts with T? How about a country that starts with W? Is this a Facebook data mining thing? No, it's a snap review for Tapple. Tapple is a category word game for up to eight players ages eight plus from the op. So let's talk about the art in Tapple. Yeah, let's. (laughs) At first glance, there's not a ton of art here. I mean, it's 20 letter buttons arranged in a circle with a central buzzer button. And there's cards with some text. But the device with the buttons and the timer 
is clever and really intuitive. From the very first time we opened this box, we were trying out the buttons. I love pressing the buttons. They feel so good. And the reset mechanism. <laughs> in another really bit of clever design, the cards are stored in a compartment that's part of the device. That means once you open the box and understand the rules, you never actually need this again. Everything you need is right here. <laughs> so let's talk about the mechanics. How do you actually play this game of Tapple? All right. First, you take out the cards and turn on the power switch. <laughs> Have one person in the group draw a card and pick a category. Um, how about four-letter words? In a Family Gamer Snap review? Sure, why not? Okay. Then hit the central timer button and get going. On your turn, shout out a word that fits the category like, uh, food! And press the corresponding letter that hasn't been used yet. Then you press the timer button and it's the next person's turn. If you run out of time, mm. or if you use a starting letter that's not actually available. Foul! No. Oh. You're knocked out of the round. Keep passing and shouting until only one player has not been knocked out. That player wins that card for the round. Play until someone has won three cards or really just until you feel like stopping. So, Anitra, what did we expect from Tapple? Well, it wasn't a whole lot to look at, although the buttons seemed a lot of fun. Word games can be really hit or miss, especially when you're playing with a wide range of ages like we do. But the box says fast word fun for everyone. So, of course, we wondered, could this be true? And that brings us to our surprises. Yes, it does. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Our seven-year-old struggled a little bit, but the allure of being able to press the buttons was so hard to resist. He was usually knocked out fairly quickly, but it was fun to be around people that were laughing and talking. And after a few rounds, he got to join an adult's team, and that really helped him out. Our other kids, who are 11 and 13, had a great time trying to stump mom and dad <laughs> or steal our answers before we could say them. And they chose categories where they might have an advantage, like countries or colors mm. or fast food restaurants. <laughs> yep. Rounds went surprisingly long when we played with a larger group of seven people. I think maybe it's because we had time to think between turns and maybe set up a couple of options in case our letters got chosen ahead of us. Yeah, but because the rounds went longer, coming up with words also stayed hard for a longer time. And then we learned another rule. So once you press everything, you can actually keep going. Hit the reset button. And now the remaining players have to come up with two words on their turn. And if you still have players left after using all 20 letters again, then they need to say three words, starting with different unused letters. Norman, Edward, and... Mason. Our family had a great time with Tapple. It's certainly playable with just two players. We tried it. But it's best at three or more, so you have more time to think between turns, and so one knockout doesn't immediately end the round. Pretty much any kid who has strong reading skills should be able to play, but you may want to let them onto an adult team, kind of like we did, if they start to get frustrated. With the right categories, kids can beat the adults. Cartoons, right, anyone? absolutely. So one thing that we really enjoy about this game as kind of a party game is that you can just sit down with the cards and just play. You don't really need to work to three cards so that somebody is the victor. It's really just a fun game to help people rack their memories and just have a blast doing it. Yeah, you can play it for five minutes or 
25 minutes or 45 minutes, however long you want to keep playing. So, Andrew, what are we going to rate Tapple from the op? Well, you know, it's not a classic board game like the stuff that we often talk about, but it's a ton of fun and it fits a great niche in our greater gaming library. So we're actually going to rate Tapple four out of five letters. And that's Tapple in in a a snap. And we're back. Before we talk about our topic of traveling with games, let's welcome our new community members this week. Yeah, let's do that. Some of these are people that we have known for a very long time. They have finally gotten their act together and joined the community. <laughs> like Jeremy Howard. Welcome, Jeremy, to the Family Gamers community. Welcome to Shane. Welcome to Nathaniel. Welcome to Jen, who we have known for a very long time. Like 20 years. <laughs> Pretty close to that now, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> and welcome to Jennifer. So welcome to our new members. There is a post welcoming you to the Family Gamers community. If you have not seen that, but you're listening to this, please head over there and say hello. Don't forget, you can always go to our Facebook community by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community to talk about all things family gaming. And now on to the topic. And now back to the program. As we mentioned, we talk about travel games on a fairly regular basis or games that are suitable for travel. Well, I mean, it's kind of a component of everyday life, right? Yeah. You need to go places and bring games with you. I had a period of time that I only played solo games that were good for traveling because I sat in a pickup line in a car every day for half an hour. I'm sorry. I am glad those days are behind me. <laughs> but it's been over six years since we last talked specifically about traveling with games what makes games good for travel yeah and some of this is also going to be kind of strategies around traveling with games and so you know there may be games that maybe the box that they're in doesn't really seem like it's terribly conducive to travel but there's things that you can do to make it a less horrible experience yeah so let's start with what makes a good travel game number one a small box yes (laughs) this is pretty much universal Just as important as a small box, a small footprint, meaning it doesn't take up a lot of room while you play it. As previously mentioned, Sprawlopolis is a wallet game, but you can't play it when you're traveling. Right. And and remember, now we're talking specifically about games to play while you are traveling, not necessarily games to take with you on vacation. Right. And so a lot of this is going to depend on what kind of traveling you're doing. Our family most often takes road trips, so that would be games to play in a car. But this week, you and I are going to be on an airplane. That's slightly different kinds of games. Yes, it is. You might also be traveling by bus or train or in somebody else's car. I don't know. Well, or, you know, you're planning games for your kids to play while you're driving somewhere, right? Right, so that's exactly. The, or, you know, in somebody else's car kind of thing. So. so small is always good. Both doesn't take up a lot of room in your, say, carry-on luggage in, <laughs> on the airplane, but also... A small footprint, so you can play it on an airplane tray table or whatever. I have an eight and a half by 11 tray that we have used while traveling for small card games and things like that to have a play surface that's bigger than a single card. Yeah, that's going to be hard for an airplane. Uh, I suppose you could fit something like that in a carry-on, but you have to really be planning that well. Yeah, that would be the one in there. That would be more for car travel to Mm -hmm. give yourself a flat surface with a lip. So things can't slide right. off. It. So another thing that we've talked about, especially when we talk about things like restaurant games, is that you want to think about games that don't have too many pieces or small pieces. Because especially if you're on like an airplane, 
you have this small tray table and if something falls off that tray table, like you don't have a lot of mobility, especially if you're sitting like in a middle seat, like that's awful. And it's really hard. Yeah. Like that piece might be gone for good. So you kind of want to avoid games with too many of those kinds of things. Yeah. In them. So a borderline example here would be several years ago, we reviewed the stars align. We successfully played it on an airplane tray table, although it was a tight fit, mm-hmm. but the main play pieces in the stars align are very lightweight fairly small wooden stars. The problem with that game was actually just because they were so lightweight. Right. But I see things of that size where it's a dime size piece that you're Mm -hmm. playing with. It would be real easy to drop one or two of those and then... You're never going to find them. You're never going to find find them. Right. So you definitely want to find things that have less pieces in them. Or, you know, we've talked about this one a lot. A game like Quingo is great because it does involve a die, but it involves... One die, Correct. not a handful of dice. Right, exactly. Something else that you might not think about at first is that you really want your travel games to be easy to stop and or easy to put away because, you know, you're going to have bathroom breaks. If you're riding a bus, you might have transfers where you need to get off the bus, get on another bus. Airplane turbulence, where things are starting to bump around. If any of those things happen... You don't want it to be a situation where you're like, oh, but there's the cards and there's the pieces and these are yours and these are mine. And, you know, they were all arranged and no. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Or at least if it is, you know, this is going to be a game that doesn't really require like hidden stuff because, you know, right, you, that's another you take great a picture example. of a board, like like one of the examples it, because we've been playing it a lot and it really does fit this bill well is Royal Visit. You could take a picture of the Royal Visit seesaw board and then just set it up and again then set later. it up again. And that's fine. That's easy to do. Sure. And there's only going to be two hands, mm-hmm. you know, involved and a deck of cards. So that's really easy to quickly toss the wooden pieces in something, wrap it up and move yep. on. Right? Stick the whole thing in a Ziploc baggie or yep. something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But there's going to be other situations where, for example, I'm trying to think of a card game that's a bad example. Illuminati would be a terrible. Oh example. my goodness! Yes. Because you cards have money all over the on place. Every single card you have card branching, right? It's a small box game with a deck of cards in it, really. But it would never work in an environment like this. All right. How about something simpler like Monopoly Deal? It's a card game. It's compact. It's fast. Thankfully, it's fast because if you did need to stop mid-game, you would be like, oh, well, I have all of these various sets of properties in front of me. Yes. No, you don't want to deal with that. That would be a gigantic pain. But games of Monopoly Deal are usually less than 15 minutes. So I would see like that's definitely doable. And you could just be like, you know what? Never mind. Game's over. We'll play again later. The pain of losing the game is is minute is diminished yes so that's not so bad the last thing that i was thinking is especially since we're talking about airplane travel games that are good at two players or even good solo with all of these other constraints around them not too many pieces not a ton of space Mm -hmm. because on an airplane trying to spread out something across more than two people also gets awkward very very quickly You know, another thing that's really good to think about in the context of playing a game is how much space you need, but also how much space you need in one place. Because there's a lot of examples of games where you might have to have a small kind of tableau for yourself, but there doesn't need to be a large common area. Right. So in that case, 
airplane tray tables would actually work okay, mm-hmm. even though people are, might be side by side, if you don't need something that's common. Or if you're sitting in a bus terminal, right? You, you can have a small area or a small table or even like on the back of your luggage or something yeah just your pieces and so you don't have to man you don't have a board that you're unfolding and you're not trying to manage some kind of central location so a game like that's going to be really great as well Mm -hmm. as we mentioned a lot of this depends on what kind of traveling you're doing car travel or something where you are waiting in lines like disney world which is a type of travel is great for trivia games or the shouting kind of party games like tapple that would be fine as a car game. Mm-hmm. As long as the driver's okay with it. <laughs> yes, as long as the driver's okay with it. Um, the driver might even participate, but probably not hitting the buttons, letting somebody else hit the buttons for them. But those kind of games are incredibly obnoxious in a shared travel environment like a train or a plane or a bus. So don't do it. So these are some ideas of just kind of general concepts to keep in mind when thinking about the games in your library and what games might fit if you are trying to bring some stuff along for your next trip. We have selected some games out of our library that we think would fit fairly well or have fit well in the past. Some of these are going to be games that you're going to recognize. And there's lots and lots more. This is just kind of what we've come up with right now. And I would say at least three or four of these are coming on an airplane (laughs) with us this week. Right. So the first one, We already mentioned it multiple times this show. It is, in fact, Royal Visit. Yeah. So it's not that there's no hidden information in this game, because you have your hand of cards, Mm -hmm. and that's hidden information. But the board is small. Not only that, it's not really a board. It is a rollout fabric mat. So this is not something that takes up a lot of space. Yeah. The tricky part about Royal Visit is going to be that the board piece itself is longer than an airplane tray table. Mm. So... If and when we bring this, like we might bring a clipboard because a clipboard would span the gap and it's pretty flat. Like a sure. book would be too sure, thick. Sure, sure, sure. But a clipboard would be perfectly fine. Yeah. And, you know, a clipboard is actually a really, really good tool to think about when you're in these kind of travel contexts. If you can fit one, I mean, it's not a bad size and it's not thick like the tray that you were talking about before. Sure. It's going to give you a flat space. It's going to give you something that you can hold. You can potentially put paper on it. It's a really helpful tool in a situation like this because it'll even help you bridge the gap between two airplane tray tables yep, yep. And, and make it a little bit more of a continuous area if you have a board that is long and thin like we do in this case. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. All right. Another favorite of mine that I think is great for I traveling. Would say, I would say this is a favorite game of mine, especially yeah. in a travel context. Is Tussie Mussy. It's too bad we don't have our expansion yet. Mr. Buttshy. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I'm only Tussie Mussy lives in my purse basically all the time, mm-hmm. in part because it is so compact. Everybody ends up with four cards in front of them, plus there's a central deck. That's it. So there's a little bit of that kind of tableau feeling, but because it's four cards, it's entirely manageable. You can play this really pretty much anywhere. Yep. And you don't have to put the two cards that you're offering on the table. You just kind of show them to the Hand other them, person yeah. or whatever, and then they pick which one, and then you take the other one. So yep. it works out really well. The other thing that I really have liked about Tussie Mussy over the years is that it's so small, but you can play it with two players or three players or four players. And I actually have the solo expansion, so I can also play it solo if I want to. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of stuff from Button Shy that would work really well here. We mentioned Sprawlopolis, which would not. So there's some <laughs> things that... 
yes. won't work well, but you know there are definitely options there. A lot of rolling rights are great examples, or flipping rights possibly because uh, there's less rolling involved. But you know, we mentioned the clipboard thing. This is another great example. If you're sitting in a car, sitting in a bus terminal, if you're in an airplane, you might not need the clipboard, but you have that opportunity. Uh, in front of you to play a roller right. I'm looking at our collection here. It would be hard to play a roller right like Super Mega Lucky Box because there's a lot yes. of cards and, and a, a lot, lot of, of little, little pieces, pieces and stuff like that. That would be difficult. Even a game like Fleet would be kind of hard because you have a bunch of dice, but there definitely are rolling right options. Silver and gold would probably be an okay option because it's there's no rolling or anything like that. In um, that yeah, there's that central tableau. But that's probably not too bad. My thought with rolling rights is you especially like for this ones where your cards or dice or whatever that you're using to tell you where to write next don't need to be arranged in any specific way. Mm-hmm. So like that's so clever or Ganschen clever, however you say it in German, mm-hmm. is not a great choice for travel because you do this kind of dice drafting thing and you have to set dice aside and they have to go in a specific place. That's not great. But something like hex roller where it's literally roll the dice you could read off the numbers to everybody oh there's two threes and a four and a five and a six okay great right yep i mean and the key here that you're kind of talking about is you don't have a lot of space so cordoning off different areas for different reasons isn't really possible right and when you start talking about dice like having to put dice in a specific location where they need to stay there for some at least short length of time is not great when you're in a bumpy environment where things can move around. Mm-hmm. You're right. So we already mentioned Quingo as another great, great option here. It is a single die shared amongst everybody, which is one reason I've loved it for years. Metro X, also an awesome, awesome one for this. Metro X is really great for playing in a car. So this is a great game because you have basically almost like dry erase chit boards that yeah. you are actually writing on. So you can hold the thing that you're writing on in your hand. There is a single deck of cards, no rolling. It's really great. And you're only ever looking at one card at a time. Mm-hmm. So you can have the person in charge of them just kind of like flip it and hold it up for everybody to see or say the number for everybody to see. And you just kind of wait and say like, all right, has everybody yep. made their move? Let's go. I once again contrast that with a game like Welcome To, which is fine and you probably could play it traveling, but you need to have basically six decks of cards. You have three decks of cards with a discard pile next to each one. That's a lot. That could get messed up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about card caddies. So you were just talking about like the difficulty for finding a place to discard, because with Welcome To, you kind of have three decks, and then you have to find a discard place for them. If you use card caddies, you have a built-in deck holder with a discard that kind of clips in. It's a case for cards, and yes. you can open it and then clip them together, and so at least you've got your deck and your discard together. Yeah, we have talked about these a couple of times over the last several years. We did a snap review for them early on in our snap reviews. Well, we did a huge giveaway with uh, Narrow Hill, I think is the company that makes them. Yeah, Narrow Hill. But these are really cool. They're a hard plastic card case. They come in single, double, and triple deck sizes. Yeah, so they can be pretty pretty huge. If you need them to be. Yep, and they have a bunch of accessories that you can kind of clip onto them, so like if you need like a peg holder because you want to play cribbage on the go or something like that. Yeah. All sorts of stuff like that. But it's super cool that they do an awesome job protecting your deck of cards, but then also when you open them up, you have the 
space for the deck, the space for the discard, and nothing's really going to be moving around. Right. Yeah, they're great. I, we have a, a couple of different ones kind of scattered around. It's almost like it's one of those game accessories that like I wouldn't mind buying like by the dozen. You know <laughs> yeah. I mean? I don't know. Anyway. I would be remiss talking about travel games if I did not mention Cinco Linko. <laughs> I, I mean, Cinco Linko, a game that we have played on a mountain in the snow. We have literally played this on the sand on the beach. Yeah. It is designed to be taken anywhere and played anywhere. Now, that said, it's probably a little on the bigger size for an airplane tray table, but not at two players. At, yeah, three, or, at three or four players, it would not fit on an airplane tray yeah, table. I mean, it doesn't have a box. It has this kind of <laughs> clipped together thing that you can clip to your bag with a carabiner or something. It, yeah, it literally has a carabiner as part of the yeah, uh, it's cool. way it's set up. And the square tiles are, I don't know, they're probably like a one inch by one inch square tile. Roughly, yeah. They're chunky plastic. They're bright colors. So if you do knock one on the floor, first of all, it's not the end of the world, right? It's an inexpensive game. And, yeah. you, you know, you just make sure everybody's got the same number of tiles to start with and you're fine. But they're bright colors, so you should be able to find them if they fall. Things yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. But there's also games that you can play while you're waiting for something. Say you're sitting in a bus terminal with a couple of friends or with your family or you're sitting there waiting for that flight so that you can get on it. <laughs> yeah. You may not have like a central table if you think about an airport terminal or, you know, a gate or whatever. There's often not a table that you can gather around. And so another great option here is a game that can exist solely in your hands. And for us, we really enjoy Get the MacGuffin for this. Yeah, this is another one that tends to live in my purse a lot of the time, in part because it goes up to some ridiculous number of players, 12 people or well, something like that. there's a couple of add-ons, which just kind of add more cards in the same yeah. vein with the same weird humor. Yes. <laughs> the basic idea behind Get the MacGuffin is like Flux, but way shorter. Yeah, I mean, somebody has the MacGuffin or the backup MacGuffin. And you are trying to run out of cards while you still have the MacGuffin. Or I guess be the last person with cards and one of those cards is the MacGuffin. Like the Pretty real much, goal yeah. of the game is to be the last one with cards, right? Right. Yeah. But the MacGuffin allows you to do things like pick it up and put it down to right. kind of block your turn. And so even within the rules for Get the MacGuffin, they mention if you don't have a table to play around to set your cards down on, hold your played objects face out in your hand right. so everybody can see them. So everybody can see them. <laughs> and that's just the difference between, you know, your hand and then your fa the objects, which would just be in a different part of your hand. Right. Just a, a couple more. This next one is a game that I am going to say has a technically perfect travel implementation. I mean, it, it's not like it's a travel version of a game. It's like the whole game. But like the execution, Chef's Kiss. Yes. And that is Tiny Ninjas. This is amazing. So we played and reviewed Tiny Ninjas Heroes fairly recently. That one is okay for so, traveling so remember how we talked about chai before and we were like not every game needs to have a solo mode right not every game needs to have like all these different kind of things like the thing about tiny ninjas that was so good was its portability and then tiny ninjas heroes like stepped away from that and you can't i mean that's its calling card you know and, right. and it actually i think detracted from the hero's experience but that should not detract from tiny ninjas so the original Tiny Ninjas, it is a card battling game. You can play two player, you can play solo. Mm -hmm. It's got two dice. And this is the part that blew my mind. The box opens up in such a way that you create a dice rolling field with 
edges. Mm-hmm. And then two of those edges are also where the two players keep track of their health and basically your score yeah, is your so health. This is like a it's the box is probably like the size of three decks of cards or so. And Ish. it's a magnetic clasp sealed box. So when you open it, it kind of unrolls. And then inside the box are these two clips that you put on the unrolled section to make that field. And the top of those clips has the score tracker built right into it. So the box has where you draw your cards and then on the other side now you've created this rolling play field and it's just it's perfect it's a tactical dice rolling card playing a ninja attack game yeah so in the end you have the rolling area the draw pile and the discard pile all of these are being kept separate by the walls of the box and each player has a hand of cards and that's pretty much it it makes for a great tight game and it is super portable it's one where like you said you don't even need a table you could balance it on your lap and still play effectively this game is perfect for the burgeoning eight to eleven year old boy gamer in your life (laughs) i mean it's just it's not too complex it's straightforward easy to understand it's an easy teach the art is cool it's got ninjas i mean come on right Uh, yeah so very strongly recommend this game tiny ninjas let's go with something a little bit less traditionally thought of as a game to wrap this up abstract yeah so we have story cubes all over our house these days. We really do, like, all over our house. I think <laughs> Jeremy Howard last week was talking about how he would open a door and there would be a button shy game. Hey! <laughs> like, that's us in story cubes. So this is not really a game per se, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You roll cubes, they have pictures on them. You can do whatever you want with those pictures. Well, the conceit of the game is that you are using the icons on these dice as launching off points to continue the story that yeah. we're collaboratively telling. Yeah, but this would be a great choice for playing in a travel setting, especially with younger kids, Mm. where you're not necessarily having patience for rules or for trying to read and decipher things. It's more of an activity than a game, but it's a great way to pass a few minutes here or there without a lot of space and without a lot of equipment. And if you've got really creative kids, sometimes, you know, a kid will come up and tell you this whole story of something that they've invented or whatever, and you kind of turn and, you know, you do the the side look (laughs) to your friends and you're like, man, kids, right? Like, kids have a lot of creativity and school destroys it, but that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) 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 This is a way to really encourage that creativity and cultivate that creativity. And there's so many branded story cubes at this point that, I mean, you you really can do anything. I think we've got Mm -hmm. Batman. Did we get the Doctor Who ones? I feel like we talked about it. We did not get the Doctor Who ones. ones. There's Adventure Time story cubes. I think there's SpongeBob story. Like, there's tons of them. And then they have, obviously, like, the noun ones and the action ones and the fantasy ones and et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. There's tons of opportunities here where you can really, like, you can distribute a couple of these cubes to various people in the car and say, okay, I'm going to roll, okay, and just kind of, like, roll it on your hand or or any, you know, microscopic flat surface that you have. Okay, Mm -hmm. here's what I got, you know, keep talking. Or you can do the kind of the more conventional roll three, pick two kind of thing or whatever. They're so flexible. And, you know, this whole game kind of exists in your mind. It's fun. Yeah. The last one that I'm going to mention is uh, something that we really like a lot, which is unlock boxes. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about trying to play these while traveling. I think it's fine. I can see it being technically possible. I don't think it's that. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Number one, I didn't say exit boxes. Exit boxes require extra tools and, you know, you got to cut stuff up and things like that. And you need a little bit of space. With the unlock boxes, if you don't spread out like hint cards or anything like that, there's really not 
that much. All right, fair. You're things. usually only looking at a few cards at a time. Yeah, sure. And and those cards can be in someone's hand. You know, mm. I, I I mean, if you normally do an unlock box with five people, then you know you're gonna ha- you might have to kind of move around to collaborate on clues. But like, if you're a couple and you do unlock boxes, like you can do that on a trade table. There's really no reason why you can't, or All two right. trade tables because there's two of you. So you know, it's just another thing that if you're gonna be on an airplane for three hours, bang out an unlock box. Why not? All right, we've got six. We should fun. probably get through them. <laughs> so. That's just one more option. And it makes me think of one last thing that I know we've talked about before, (laughs) which is the use of electronic board games or board game replacements, board game implementations. That's probably the best way to play. iPad, pass and play kind of stuff? Yeah. And that's a great way to play your favorite board games, including the longer, more complex board games, even while you're traveling. All right, so that's going to be pretty much it for us on this topic of travel games. But there are a million games out there, and we would love to hear some of the games that you take with you when you're traveling or to play in the car or something like that. We didn't even actually get into some games that we have that are explicitly designed for this purpose, like Cow Tiger Santa Claus, which is a great travel game where the whole goal is that you're taking cards out of this deck and you're trying to find things to look for out the window, like cows or tigers or maybe Santa Claus or pumpkins <laughs> or jack-o'-lanterns, which is easy at one point in the year and hard anyway. Like Santa Claus. Yeah. Obviously, that's not going to work in an airplane. Uh, it better not work in an airplane. <laughs> if it does, you or the pilot are doing something wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. All right. But we would love to hear from you if you have thoughts on games that you really enjoy in this kind of travel context, this travel idea. And there's lots of different ways that you can get a hold of us to tell us about them. I think personally that a great place to chat about these kinds of games is the Family Gamers community. And you can get there by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community, like I mentioned before. Or facebook.com slash groups slash Family Gamers AA. That's AA for Andrew and Anitra. Or you can just search for groups on Facebook and search for the Family Gamers community, you'll find it. Yeah. Speaking of which, you can find us on other social media too, not oh, just Facebook. Media. Uh, also, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Family Gamers AA. Mm-hmm. On Instagram and TikTok, today, I think I will be putting up a little teaser for today's review of Groundhog Day the game. I think I heard you taking this video and I laughed a lot. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can, in fact, check out our Snap Reviews on our YouTube channel, which is... YouTube.com slash TheFamilyGamers. It works, folks. Yay. Kids, whatever. All right. You can always email us, Andrew, at TheFamilyGamers.com. Anitra at TheFamilyGamers.com. Check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merchandise, t-shirts, hoodies, and more at TheFamilyGamers.com forward slash merch. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show uh, if you like it. Tell your friends about the podcast, maybe even if you didn't like it, <laughs> and leave us a review at Apple Podcast or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yes, you can purchase for our podcast for $0 <laughs> at Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, all the places on the internet. As always, The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. And that first call is free, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much to First Move once again. So next week, we have a very special podcast planned for you. We will be traveling, but we are going to bring you Beyond Board Games with a podcaster and YouTuber, YouTuber and influencer that I have been following for 15 years. Well over a decade. Yeah. Yes. I, I didn't have children when I started following this Ooh. guy. 
Ooh, boy. <laughs> so I was totally geeked to be able to interview him and talk about what he does in you, a family context. It was you a kept lot of the fun. fanboying to a minimum. I tried. I squealed only a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's going to be coming next week. I don't want to tell you who it is. You know, it's yeah. And I hope that you will enjoy that. We will be traveling. Check out our socials. I'm sure there will be pictures of the four of us having fun, probably playing a lot of games. Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah. All right. So until next week, everybody. Play games with your kids. Play games with your kids.